0: and to support us all to raise our children with more awareness, connection, and love. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Aware Parenting Stories podcast. Today, I'm really happy to have Leah Wong on the call. Thank you so much, Leah, for making time to come and talk to us all the way from Hong Kong. Oh, thanks so much for the invitation. So Leah is mother to a very almost nearly three-year-old and has had a very varied career by the sounds of things. So you had 10 years in competitive ballroom dancing. You sustained several injuries and then jumped into entrepreneurship. You were... Found yourself suffering from chronic pain, anxiety, and burnout, and found that kinesiology really helped you uncover the stresses that were impacting on your ability to heal, inspire. And you're so grateful for this revelation. Um, Leah has dedicated herself to studying this healing modality and is a certified neuroenergetic kinesiologist. She's also passionate about gentle birth, trauma-informed care, and is a certified aware parenting instructor. She is dedicated to helping clients reconnect to their bodies and to supporting families to flourish. Welcome to the show. And yeah, as I said, thanks so much for coming on. Mm -hmm. I always start by asking people, how how did you find Aware Parenting? And what was it about it that really appealed to you when you first discovered it? I think my
1: son was around three months old, four months, and it was definitely issues with sleep. So I definitely knew I didn't want to do the cry it out method. And I felt like that was very much something that was just like, oh, that's what you do and that's the only way to get them to sleep. So I I sort of just delved online and was like, no, is there another way? Cause I I he would sleep for maybe I was comfort nursing a lot. And we were sleeping like every two hours he would wake up. And it just I think yeah, it was just not sustainable. <laughs> and I actually had a dear friend who lives in the UK now. And she she's a fellow kinesiologist, and she mentioned Aware Parenting to me. She's like, Have you heard of this? Um, you might want to check it out. There's a podcast, which is Mary and then Lale's podcast, the Aware Parenting podcast. They have an episode on sleep. So check it out. It might be something that you resonate with. So I listened to the episode. And I, I was like, yes, there is a, there's another way that meets, you know, my needs and my son's needs. And it seems like it makes a lot of sense, especially as a kinesiologist, we work a lot with stress. And so it just, it seemed to have an understanding of trauma and stress and all of that. And that's when I just ordered all of Aletha's books. <laughs> and started reading all of them and then really you know and it helps with ori' sleep so basically we had a very i guess pretty traumatic birth so and i didn't realize how much that could and i and i now in hindsight there was a lot of tension in his body like he would have his fists sort of and his arms really close and there was a lot of crying and and i remember i just for us, I just distracted, right? Or I bounced, or I, I fed him. I tried to make the crying stop, but I didn't realize that that could really affect his sleep and how relaxed he was in his body. So when I read about the crying in arms, where we we listen to, granted, all their immediate needs are met, we listen to the feelings and you know hold them while they cry. I, I tried that with my husband for the one one night. And it was actually very daunting because we were so used to singing and bouncing and just like, it's okay. It's okay. Uh, you know. And he cried for about forty five minutes, and it was very, actually it was very difficult to just sort of hold him and and not do anything but listen. But then amazingly, he fell asleep in my arms, and he was the most relaxed that I would ever seen him. like arms, like, just sort of like cactus arms. And he slept through the night. And that's when I was like, this is it. Why don't more people know about this? This is amazing. And yeah, then I decided to become an aware parenting instructor. So I delve into it more deeply. So that's how I came across it.
0: Well, thank you for sharing that. I love that story. I think it, it's it's so often the case, and particularly with having issues with sleep. And we are left in this this with this choice which we either do sleep training with our children or we just accept that we're never going to get any sleep and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's so amazing isn't it when you find this other way it's just so exciting to know that there is a way that we can support our children and support ourselves mm-hmm. and sleep is such a huge thing because Yeah, without sleep, it's so hard to to function and it's so hard to parent, isn't it? And I mean, it's Mm -hmm, hard enough mm -hmm. parenting on our own in our little nuclear families, but to try and doing it when you've had no sleep is just impossible. So Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah, I wish more people knew about it too. And I loved what you were saying about that your perspective had been to make the crying stop. And -hmm. then you discovered this other way, which was about actually the opposite of that meeting all their needs and then welcoming the crying and yeah. i also loved what you were saying about observing him afterwards and i think that's what's so powerful about aware parenting isn't it it's we we get the information that we need and we get the support to implement it in our families and then we get to observe our children and we can see so clearly after using some of these techniques in aware parenting how mm-hmm. much better they feel and like mm-hmm. you were saying his whole body was just open and relaxed, and it's such a sharp contrast to that tightness, those closed fists, that agitation, mm-hmm. that that mm-hmm. Um, stress and tension you see in their body. So yeah, mm-hmm. so helpful. Can you talk a little bit more then about sleep? Because uh, I love how Marion talks about the three things that children need in order to fall asleep. Can you talk mm-hmm. a bit about how how you use these techniques to, to support his sleep and what you noticed?
1: hmm I think the biggest thing that, I mean, the biggest change was really listening to the feelings because we were either feeding, which, and, and at that point I realized he wasn't hungry because I'm like, he's, I don't think he's hungry every two hours in the middle of the night, especially when he's this, he's like four months old. Like, I don't think he should be feeding like this often. I mean, not, it just was something that I knew it wasn't, it wasn't serving him cause he was also like uncomfortable. And, but so we were either feeding him or bouncing him or distracting in that way. And I think for me, it was much more, okay meeting those needs making sure that yes he 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 was feeding very regularly he was eating regularly he was you know there wasn't anything that was uncomfortable you know so I, I had to really reassure myself I had to go through the checklist in my mind because I think I don't know if this is for other people but I definitely felt like for me there was a bit of conditioning that like when children cry it's bad like mm. we need to fix so like oh, babies cry we need to make it stop so we have to shush them or they're unhappy or something is really wrong or they're hungry it's and and yes the crying communicates an immediate need but it also i think the idea that was like what changed really changed things for me was that it can communicate an immediate need but it can also communicate feelings and i i guess with children for some reason maybe it's conditioning or the way our culture sees crying in children but it had never really occurred to me like for a baby you know I was like oh actually that does make sense because even in kinesiology with clients like sometimes they'll have a good cry and they'll feel better afterwards and and I don't try to stop them from crying in a session. In fact, it's very welcome. So I was like, why wouldn't it be like that for a baby or a child? You know. And so for me, that was the one of the key ways that I started to support him when, when he was, when he did have that that sort of fussiness. And I knew he wasn't hungry. I knew he had a clean nappy. I knew, like, you know, he wasn't too cold. He wasn't too hot. Then I was like, okay these must be big feelings. So then I just would hold him and, you know, I'm listening, I'm here. And that really made a big difference. There was a lot of crying in the beginning, because I think we were catching up. Because even we we had a very sort of, as I mentioned, like a traumatic birth, and then we were also separated for around 24 hours after the birth. So I know there were, I mean, I had a lot of big feelings. So I, I guess, you know, he he had a lot of Catch up crying to do. But after that, he was, he's been also totally different. You know, like it was a, he was sleeping, he was relaxed, and sleep was no longer an issue. And I really felt like, wow, like you can, you know, you can still really value attachment style parenting and still have all that closeness and support them in that way without yeah, in a way that I didn't think before. Because like you said, we you think there's two options. Like you either are the attachment style parenting or you, you decide to choose to do sleep training. And then there's like, so, but when you decide to do the attachment style parenting, it's like, okay, well, you don't sleep. You just, that's how it is. And so I just really noticed a big change in him as well, most specifically with sleep. But also I would say, yeah, just in terms of being, cooperative as well being more aware in terms of like just being much more aware what's happening around him so and I could cut now when I look back on photos as well I can sort of see there's it's he seems different during those first few months where we you know I didn't listen to the crying and I didn't and now he just also seems much more relaxed and when I sometimes it creeps up on me now because he's older and maybe he has different ways of expressing the big feelings as opposed to me holding him when he was a baby. And I can sort of tell like when they're brewing, like things, you know, like say if he starts to throw things or um and then I'm like, oh wow, I feel like they're now I see it differently as opposed to like, oh, like, why is he doing this? Now I'm like, oh, okay, that that makes sense. Yes, he he probably has some big feelings that need to come out at some point or need to be expressed at some point or I have to do some listening or yeah. So.
0: I love how you explain that. That's really, really helpful. And I think there is this real understanding that, yeah, we need to stop a child from crying. And if we stop their crying, then we're also stopping the source of their crying. And we're, yeah, but actually, we're not. It's such a powerful difference between, yeah, actually allowing them to cry and thereby getting Mm -hmm. getting rid of that that source of the the distress for them Mm -hmm. and when you understand it and once you've seen it in action with your children it's it's so it's so obvious isn't it
1: yeah yeah and I Um, think but I think culturally sometimes it can be a bit I don't know for yeah maybe this is a generalization but also in an Asian culture it's also a little bit yeah it's it's different to what I grew up with as opposed to like not as I guess feelings are not as supported as openly. I, I'm sure, as with many other cultures as well. So I realize I had a lot of that to sort of decondition from.
0: So, yeah. And and how do you support parents with that process? Is there a is there a big aware parenting community in or is there any aware parenting community in, in Hong Kong? I mean, I made an
1: effort to start one in <laughs> Hong Kong. I think Alita's books are in Ch- Mandarin. And now they're in China or I think it's maybe one is published in Taiwan there are they are available in Chinese and I started a small group here just kind of talking about it or offering support I think the biggest thing for parents and the biggest thing that was most helpful for me was having the listening for me Mm -hmm. you know so like the empathic listening or having someone to talk to that yeah. really helped me with support, listening to Ori's feelings. Um, mm. Yeah. Mm. So I try to do that with parents as well, just really hear where they're at. Lots of love and compassion.
0: Yes, that's so crucial, isn't it? And I think mm. yeah, for many of us who didn't receive this ourselves, it can be quite hard to know what compassion actually looks like and what compassion sounds like. And so mm. when we are receiving it ourselves, not only is it building our capacity to be able to feel more resourced to support our children, but it's also giving us a really powerful new understanding of this new language that we need to learn to speak for ourselves and and for our children too. So Mm -hmm. yeah, that's really Mm -hmm. helpful. And I love that you said as well that you ordered all the books because I find, you know, lots of people are coming to Aware Parenting now through Marion and Lael's beautiful podcast and and from all the other podcasts that are around, Mm -hmm. which is wonderful but I think that the understanding that you get about the theoretical background from reading her books is just priceless. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you have a favorite of her books?
1: Um, I I still love The Aware Baby because that was the first one. And I, I remember I had like all the little, I flagged all the little pages because I was like, oh, it has the answers for me for everything. <laughs> like, yeah. Feeding, sleep, like, you know, so and just the way it's organized. So for me, I, I when I came across it, I, yeah, I found it so helpful um and also just yeah the way she explains things and
0: mm, yeah it's really priceless yeah so what about things like the play aspect because obviously attachment play is a big part and attachment play is another one of her wonderful books how did you how, how did you go about sort incorporating that into your life with your son and and seeing that helping him supporting him to heal as well
1: mm-hmm. so i i found myself much more drawn to listening to the big feelings and i'm not i've realized i'm not that great at play <laughs> it's something that i really had to have support with, mm-hmm. so like you know the and aware parenting the community has been so helpful and I worked with um, Rebecca Shake who's a level mm-hmm. two instructor, so she gave me some great ideas for games especially separation games for us after birth as well. So just those, I mean, there's a lot in Aletha's book as well, but just more of that the hide and seek or even the power reversal really. Those were amazing. And it was just very counterintuitive to me, but then it makes sense. So, just one that we loved when he was st- actually still in his high chair at the diet was when he would just kind of like tap us and we would dramatically like fly across the room. Or f- and he found that so funny. And I just found that it really, you know, he was more cooperative. He was more relaxed. It really, yeah, it just really made a big difference. And my husband is very, very, what's the word, good at natural at play with him so he does a lot more of the play stuff I tend to be more of the feelings person but I I do incorporate like it helps me to have ideas for games and then you know try to to try to do them with Ori so Mm. and we do a lot of the the non-directive play so like just really me sitting with Ori and letting him decide what he wants to play with and I found that it works well with us so for both of us so
0: Mm. yeah that's such a beautiful one isn't it and that continues throughout their lives I mean my kids are grown up now well my son's not grown up my daughter's close close behind him but we still do that special time that non directive time together and it's just so it's just so lovely and it's been so powerful throughout this process and it's just it's such a beautiful way to connect and to create Mm -hmm. that emotional safety but also to give all those opportunities for them to just bring up Whatever it is that they need to work through, and, and to mm-hmm. for us to learn to trust and observe and offer them our presence, and that can be difficult too, can't it? When we're tired and, and sleep deprived and juggling lots mm-hmm. of other roles, sometimes it are, is hard to bring our full presence there. Do you have you been? Do you use a timer and that kind of thing when you're doing these these things? With I them?
1: actually don't, but sometimes I'm aware of it. Like if mm-hmm. it, I find it, if I am feeling a little less resourced. Then I will look at the clock and I'm like, okay, from now, like for 15 minutes, I'm going to just really just sit with him and let it, you know, and then I find that helps me. So I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, okay. But when I am feeling quite resourced, then I sort of just, okay, we'll like go along with it. But yeah, the time does, I do find that helpful because mm-hmm. it kind of is like, okay, I, it reminds me to also honor my needs. Like, okay, okay. I, I can probably do 15 minutes or I can do 20 minutes or yeah. Mm. So the timer helps. But I think I was also relieved to come across that because I think I had this impression that we have to entertain children. So when I was like, oh, actually there are these ways that they can also we can also really have that connection without having that pressure as a parent to really find all these, oh no, I must constantly entertain them.
0: So, mm. Yeah, I think that's really helpful to, to know as well, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. often we have this sense that, oh, play, okay, that does that mean I have to sit and play for five hours? Mm-hmm. But, you yeah, know, it's a very different approach where it's really, it's finite and that way we can give them our attention. And then, yeah. of course, at the end, if they have feelings about that, we can listen to their feelings and we don't have to make it different and we don't have to placate or distract mm-hmm. or carry on mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. any of those things. We can just listen to their feelings. And mm-hmm. at the end of that process, having had that lovely connection and then, if there are feelings to come, having had those feelings heard, our children are just so delightfully relaxed and back in balance again. So it's such yeah. a it's such a beautiful tool to, to to bring that connection and to support them, isn't it? Mm. Mm-hmm. So what about things like loving limits while we're talking about that at the end of, of special time? Sometimes we use those. How have you found that process of learning to offer loving limits in your family or supporting other families with that?
1: Oh my gosh. Okay. So this is another reason why I love her parenting because I feel like it gave me all these, I wouldn't say it's structure, but like almost like this philosophy or I guess guidelines that re- I really found helpful because I think because I had a slightly more authoritarian upbringing that I was on the permissive end myself and i found it actually a bit difficult to i was like oh i don't know how to set these limits without not without being authoritarian so the loving limits really gave me that direction so it did take some practice but i love them because <laughs> because it is a way to really honor what you're willing as mary would say what you're willing for what what you're not willing for your child to do or and then also, do it in a really loving way and accepting what feelings come up from from establishing those limits. Um, so now, my son is almost three, and I find that the loving limit oftentimes will give him a will be like a broken cookie moment, and will give him the, that space to release whatever feelings that he he's looking to express. Mm-hmm. So if I, if he really wants, say he wants something that I don't want, not willing for him to play with, which is like something that's precious to me or glass or something, you know, and I'm like, actually, no, I'm not willing for you to play with this right now. And he's like, no, 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 I really want to. And then usually he will have some sort of expression from that. And I think before that would have, I would have been very, the pre-aware parenting would have been like, ah. Oh, what do I do let me distract him with something else let me give him you know but now I just sit with the feelings and I Mm. found that uh, that makes a big difference
0: yeah I love how you describe that as learning to honor our needs as well as our children and really connecting with what we are willing for them and and being doing it in a really loving way so that we can Mm. then offer them the empathy afterwards yeah so Mm. it's such an amazing tool isn't it so yeah yeah What about some of the things that you found challenging or or things that you've struggled with? Because I think, you know, it's really helpful to normalize the fact that for all of us, whether we're instructors or not, it's still, there are lots of things in parenting that are really hard and that are, Mm -hmm. and and things with aware parenting that are difficult to implement. Can you think of some examples?
1: Oh, yes, many. (laughs) Uh, So yes, this listening to feelings, I think is amazing and has made such a big difference, but it was, and sometimes can also still be difficult. So that first time I told you about that, we did it, I, it actually created this very physical stress response. So while I was holding him, I was sweating profusely and I, and I remember being like, wow, like I, I'm actually stressed that I'm not doing anything to stop the crying. Like I'm, it's like this very, I was just, I, I very much noticed it and now that doesn't happen to me anymore, but sometimes as I mentioned before, when I'm not, when I'm less resourced, I do, I do find it difficult. And another thing that I actually find a little challenging sometimes is, I mean, I identify as a a highly sensitive person and I think my son is as well, but it's funny because you think that I would be very, there are moments where I also find that challenging. Say he's on the playground and there's a lot of children and he's overwhelmed. And then he he's sitting on the top of the slide and he doesn't come down the slide because he's overwhelmed. And there's like a line of children. And I'm like, Ori, just come down the slide. You know, even though I know he's he's like, ah, but I think there's also this part of me that has been, that also maybe sh- not doesn't fully accept that part of myself. So sometimes those moments can be challenging. So that and and I and I really I mean I love I, I do deeply appreciate sensitivity, but it's something that I've also had to accept about myself. So and and I do find those moments a little bit challenging.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's usually, well, it's often the case that it's things that are coming up for us that are also really stressful and difficult for us that we find hardest in in our parenting. And uh, it's such a gift that aware parenting allows us to go on this parallel healing journey with our children. But it does Mm -hmm. make it really hard for us to be, you know, healing ourselves and supporting ourselves Mm -hmm. with that process whilst we're also supporting our children to do the same. How Mm -hmm. have you supported yourself with your healing? Anything that you're willing to share about that process? Obviously, your physiology, I'm sure has been really really helpful in that.
1: That has been very, very helpful. But yes, I find that it's exactly what you said. It's a parallel journey. And it does like those moments where I'm like, just go down the slide already, or stop being so sensitive or like that. I'm aware of those thoughts. And I'm like, oh, wow, like I there's some acceptance and love and compassion for myself that needs to sort of, yeah, I need to make space for. Kinesiology has been very helpful. Having an empathy buddy has been really helpful. So I have a few empathy buddies and that has just been (laughs) life-changing. And as I mentioned too, working with Rebecca Shake has been so helpful. I've been doing, getting a lot of support. I think I realized after becoming a parent that I need a lot of support. I think, yeah, I'm, I'm sure other people maybe feel the same or maybe we don't realize sometimes how much we actually need or we feel bad about it. Like uh, I've had moments where I'm like, do I really need it? But then sometimes I'm like, I do because it makes such a big difference. Like, So yes, having I've had like little weekly check-in sessions with when I first started implementing Aware Parenting with Rebecca Shake. So they were like 30 minute sessions a week just to kind of check in and Yeah, it was just so helpful to have someone there to, you know, yeah, it's, you know, yes, it can be hard. And I totally hear that it was hard, but, you know, like just sort of having that encouraging voice. Um, Yeah. And of course, kinesiology has been great when I feel like things are bubbling up a little bit for me. And craniosacral therapy has also been like things that kind of soothe my nervous system, uh, I found have been really helpful. So those are sort of the rotation of things that, yeah, I would. I'll turn to. And I'm also part of the Marion's Aware Parenting Instructor Mentoring course. So just having that group, knowing that that group is there, is also is really lovely to be a part of.
0: Mm. Yeah, I, I love that normalizing, that sense of normalizing the need for support that we all have, mm. and that that is an ongoing part of our life and yeah like you I've, I've had a listening partner for pretty much the whole duration and I still have weekly sessions with my listening partner and it's just mm-hmm. it's such a helpful process and I always try and explain it to clients that you start these conversations with your listening partner where you're just full of fear and feelings and worry and doubts and questions and overwhelm and then you end mm-hmm. this conversation with a real sense of calm clarity about what you're yeah. going to do, what 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 the what you're really feeling, what you're really believing about what's going on, and it's just so transformative, and it's free.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: amazing, and obviously to get support from Marion and Rebecca would have been would have been really amazing, and I loved what you were saying as well about bringing in the nervous system because I think. You know, often as parents, we've spent our whole lives in these sort of aroused nervous system patterns or in this dissociation state or in some kind of combination of the two. And mm-hmm. then when we realize we become aware of that and we realize how important it is for us to take steps to deliberately bring our nervous system back into balance. So as mm-hmm. well as the listening to feeling stuff, it's also about I suppose in, in aware parenting we would call it meeting our needs, but it's really mm. about ensuring that we do have these needs to to calm ourselves down, to to reset our nervous systems, to make us feel. Mm. And it's not that spiritual bypassing thing. It's actually just taking care of ourselves and modeling yeah. that to our children too. Yeah. And I love that my children know that they need to, they have that awareness and that insight to check in with themselves and, and to see how they're feeling and to know when they need to be taking extra care or reaching out for more support and all of those sorts of things. And they haven't had to unlearn all this stuff that yeah. there's something wrong mm-hmm. with us if we need support. They just mm-hmm. know, they just know when they need support and they know to ask for it. And I really mm-hmm. love that about this approach as well.
1: Yeah, I think no, you're absolutely right about being, you know, being comfortable or normalizing that support. Because there were a few moments in the, I think, early on, and some like where I did question, you know, that because I'm like, oh wow, lots of people don't get the parents, especially get the support. Am I, you know, is there something wrong with me that I? <laughs> but now I'm like, oh, it just works for me. It works for Ori, the family, and I. I yeah, I'm very yeah. grateful for it. and i want him to feel like if he ever needs it that he's comfortable doing it asking for support as well so
0: yeah and i I mean i children will just Mm -hmm. do learn to do that because they have been supported in these ways. And because they've seen us reaching out Mm -hmm. for support too. Yeah. Such a, such a great modeling for them. Mm -hmm. What about things like, have you had challenges with your family, perhaps not being on board or explaining it to them? And people often talk, clients often talk about that, either issues with their partner, not really understanding the approach or their parents or their friends. How have you navigated all that?
1: My, Partner is actually very supportive of the approach, so I think at that point we were both very wanting sleep. So he's like, "I will try anything." (laughs) So and then when it worked, it was like, "Wow, this is amazing!" So I've been very lucky that he's been very supportive of um, aware parenting and also you know listens to feelings and the play. For my parents, it's been a little bit challenging, so. I think there is a lot of, and it's taken me a while because it was, it's taken me a while to accept that it was challenging for them. Cause I think in the beginning I was like, wow, I feel, this is amazing. How can you not see it? But I think it's the hardest part for them is the feelings. Like it is, it is very much either distracting or yeah. Like the belief that something is wrong. So it's, it's a bit, you know, tricky that one to navigate. And, but I've I guess I'm still working on, or I've learned now a little bit more that I'm seeing, you know, where they're coming from and, and, you know, being compassionate with that as well. And I, and I do try to explain it, but there is, there is such a strong cultural association with like, if your child cries, something is wrong, you're doing something wrong, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, like it, you need to fix it. It's something that, you know. Yeah, so I think that's also been challenging for them so when they when they see me listen to feelings I think it can also be difficult so Mm,
0: yeah yeah so that's
1: been a little tricky to navigate
0: yeah Mm. I I love how you brought in the compassion though that you're able to to offer them and that understanding of of where they've come from where they're at with it all in terms of their cultural conditioning too and I think Mm -hmm. that's that's really nice because sometimes we feel judged by our parents and sometimes we feel you know, we have, have lots of feelings towards our parents from our childhood too, especially when we mm-hmm. discover this way and we see how power, sharply it contrasts with our own experience. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I love that learning to to get some listening to the feelings that come up for us and then to be able to offer them some compassion about where they're at is, is helpful, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I think it's taken taken i mean i did feel extremely judged and mm. like i was like i don't get it how can you see this works it's amazing and no so it does it does yeah it takes i think it just takes like you said listening to ourselves and then having compassion for ourselves and then being able to offer that to others so, mm. yeah.
0: yeah yeah anything else that you found challenging like I suppose your son's pretty young so you may not have the screen issue yet but anything oh. else that's hard huh? we have the screen, <laughs> okay, <laughs> and like we yeah. still
1: the screens are so enticing that yes. i yes that that is a little hard sometimes we do loving limits around that cuz he'll see that i'm checking something and he wants to see it or even when we play music sometimes on it he wants to you know so sometimes that's a bit challenging or other people showing them screens that's a little challenging as well too but actually i had something to add in terms of when we're talking about people maybe having not resonating not resonating so much with the wear parenting approach so like i think what i learned as well like with my parents sometimes yeah maybe they're not as willing as willing to listen to feelings and i think in the beginning i felt very like oh no like you must listen to every single feel like people must you know and then i realized like actually also the world is not like that or we will encounter people that might not And and we have even strangers on the street that will like shush him, and I get very like, oh, I can't believe you just shush my child who's crying, you know. And I, and then I, you know, and I, I can't control other people, you know, and how they react. And so I think what gave me a bit of like comfort around that was okay. Well, I'm willing to listen, and my husband is, and when those feelings, when he feels comfortable with expressing those feelings again. Hopefully one of us will be there and that's already really great. I can't control everyone around him or, yeah. So that was one thing that was challenging that I had to sort of learn, I guess, or come to
0: that realization. Mm. Oh, thank you for adding that. Yeah, I think that's really important, isn't it? Because, yeah, sometimes, Mm. especially in the early days, maybe we can get quite fixated on always listening to every feeling and yes that's that's just not how it works and i love that sense of it being a more relaxing thing when you accept that there will be times when their feelings won't be heard and that that's mm-hmm. fine they will bring them up another time and of course none of us can listen to 100% of our children's feelings anyway even right. if we were surrounded by lots and lots of people who understood and deeply valued this approach it would still be impossible wouldn't it right right yeah that's really helpful thank you Are there things that you, other misunderstandings then or other misconceptions in in the wider culture around children that you would love people to uh, understand differently?
1: Uh, Yeah, that like, (laughs) as Marion says too, like babies have feelings, they have real feelings. I think that's one maybe misconception that actually I even in the beginning, didn't even consider when Ori would cry. I was like, oh, you must be something, immediate need. That's one big one, I think. And also just feelings in general being misbehaving. So there is a very strong, I still feel that when we go out, or something Ori cries, or something, I get like looks, or like a shh, or you know, children should be seen and not heard. Like still, mm-hmm. still that energy is a bit there. And I wish it wasn't like that. <laughs> mm. Not that, you know, I mean, yeah, I just wish it was a little bit less like, mm. so those misconceptions, I think. And that actually, uh, those feelings can be very helpful, especially when it comes to aggression or sleep or um, all those things, you know, like supporting feelings can be very helpful, I think. So mm. um, and I think we don't make that uh, uh, association. I mean, I didn't either pre-aware parenting but understanding that it's really like oh they're not you know the misbehaviors you know usually as a result of big feelings somewhere so
0: Mm. Yes, I love that invitation to always be looking underneath the behavior to see what is there, what's causing them to behave in these ways and to see the behavior as like a symptom of of how they're feeling and then look at ways of of listening to those feelings and then the behavior goes. It's yeah, it's really quite simple. But yes, it's so it's so misunderstood in our culture, mm-hmm. isn't it? And that children, mm-hmm. if they're behaving in ways that we find challenging, they need to be taught how to behave yeah. properly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would love that to be more deeply understood as well. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about neurokinetic kinesiology? I'd love to learn a bit about what oh. that is and how that supports people.
1: So kinesiology is the, the type I do is actually based on muscle testing. So mm-hmm. it's basically just checking basically stress in the muscle. So, and then by that, since, since the muscle response is a nervous system response, we can kind of see which areas of the body might be in need of balance, whether some muscles are over-facilitated, like they're too tight or they're, they actually don't hold at all. So they're quote unquote weak. Um, So we use that as a gauge to kind of see where there are energetic stresses in the body. So Hugo, Tobar, Who's Australian? Actually, he founded the system and the institute, and it's based on basically neurology and physiology. So we use a lot of different formats to approach energetic stressors, if that makes sense. So we we use acupressure points, and this is not related to aware parenting at all. Just to be super clear about that, but it does it um, it does work with energetic stressors and in the body and balancing you know, seeing, is it an emotional stress? Is it, it's not diagnostic, but we can kind of approach it in a way that can maybe balance the nervous system and the stress in the system. So we can kind of see, is it, is it, is it physical in nature? Is it actual, like an injury or, you know, are those muscles around that area all overcompensating or are they under facilitated? So we can see, is it physical in nature? Is it maybe emotional? Is it something that's spiritual? So it ties in the Chinese traditional Chinese medicine approach with meridians and acupressure points, as well as the chakra nadi system. So working with, with chakras, but also the physiological imbalances that can result from that. So like the glands that are governed by each chakra and the hormones. So it, it's quite melding of physiology, spirituality, all of all of those things. So mm-hmm.
0: it sounds very holistic. I've had kinesiology myself, and I do find it really powerful. And yes, I love the way it, it looks at the whole body just through your muscles to, to give signs about all the other things that are impacting on on your, how you're feeling and how you're functioning. So it made
1: the biggest difference for me because I think I could see my muscle response and I think maybe before, not that I was skeptical, but there was a part of me that was like, what? Like feelings can impact my physical structure? What? All of a sudden a thought or belief or my muscles don't work properly anymore. And and I, I was really, that to me was like, wow, then I, I haven't been treating my body so well. So, and that was a turning point for me
0: basically. So. Mm, thank you. That sounds really interesting. And is that something that you incorporate and, and you offer to parents as part of your supporting for them as well? Yeah.
1: If it resonates with them, then a lot of times I do recommend like, okay, whatever you need to support yourself. I, I also, you know, kinesiology is a modality that I do practice. So yeah, most of the time though, it is parents come for consultations or, people come to me for kinesiology so mm. it is currently still a bit separate so
0: mm. yeah mm. great and and what about your sort of visions for aware parenting because it seems to be really growing this year has been huge yeah. for aware parenting it seems like so many more people have come into the community which is wonderful how how do you see it changing over the course of the next few years and how would you love it to be
1: oh I just would love it to be in schools everywhere <laughs> And just much more, um, yeah, like the to see it in systems, like implemented in systems as well, just like the rewards and the punishments, that whole aspect as well. And just more people talking about it, I think, and sharing their experience. Like what you're doing with the podcast, I think is great because then people can really hear like, oh, that I think it's hard sometimes to grasp it like theoretically, but then if you hear how it, people... Actually, their are stories with it, how they came across it, how it helped them. I think it, it has a really it, it is something that's that has so many beautiful aspects in it in terms of like, yeah, loving limits, rewards and punishments, all of the you know the non punitive dis- discipline aspect, the big feelings, the attachment play, all of that can just really, yeah, I really think it's transformative for mm. the world. So
0: mm. yeah, so it's so nice. you think of it in your little micro. Family, but actually it has this huge potential impact to the whole world, really. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm, so powerful. So how can people find out more about you? What's your website? What do you offer? That kind of thing. Would you like to share?
1: Uh, sure. My website is RaisingOrion.com. That's O-R-I-O-N. And I'm on Instagram under Leah J. Wong and my offerings are all on my website uh, at the moment it's mainly kinesiology and aware parenting consultations I do like writing so I have some blog posts and I also have a podcast as well so that has two episodes and we'll hopefully have more
0: um, at some point so right well, I'll put all those links in the, in the show description okay and the last thing I always ask people is if you could go back to the beginning of this process and tell yourself something that you or, or what would you love to have known at the beginning that you now deeply understand, having practiced this for a few years with your family, what would have been really helpful to to deeply know at the beginning of the process?
1: I think to really deeply know it, probably to trust myself think in the beginning there was a lot of, ah, am I doing this right? Or, I don't know. Or like there was a lot of like worry and doubt, like a bit of self doubt. But really I found that even with clients and probably with myself too, is that having that deep trust in yourself as a parent, you know, and really just following that. That's probably what I would tell myself then, like you're doing great. You're great. You're doing great, and, and you know you'll figure it out. And it's so that just having that deep knowing and that you know what's best for your child. So yeah, because you get a lot of information, right? From even when you're pregnant, there's people. For me, there were strangers that would just come up and give me advice. <laughs> so and yeah. same with parenting there's a lot of that so I think there's it can be you know breastfeeding and birth and yeah so I think just having that deep knowing that you know what's best for you and your child so
0: mm, I love that yeah absolutely and I think that's a really powerful and empowering message for for parents to to mm. understand you can trust yourself you can trust your child you know what's yeah worth. And, yeah. and that's that's just it's a completely different way isn't it because so mm-hmm. many of the other approaches and so much of the other information is about you know we're the experts and we're telling you how to do it but with the web parenting mm-hmm. we're really really encouraging people to tune in to themselves mm-hmm. and to observe their children and then to to decide what works for their f- own unique families because of mm-hmm. course we are all on a on our own unique journeys and it looks yeah. different in every family doesn't it definitely mm. yeah oh that's so beautiful is there anything that you haven't had the chance to share that you would love to speak that we haven't had a chance to talk about i think that is it yeah oh, great well thank you so much for making time to come on and share your experiences and mm-hmm. your reflections on the process it is so helpful for people to understand all the different ways that this can look and i'm, I'm just so grateful for your time thank you oh, thanks for having me Jonas. Thank you for joining me on Aware Parenting Stories. I hope you enjoyed this episode. To find out more, please visit my website, www.awareparenting.com.au and follow me on social media at Aware Parenting with Joss. I wish you much connection and love on your parenting adventures.